as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back to another episode of Pirate Talk Radio. Thank you very much for everyone uh, who is listening, who is watching on the YouTube, who is submitting comments and all that fun stuff. I appreciate it very much. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're closing in on getting that particular URL, Pirate Talk Radio, on YouTube. So that, to me, is super, super, super exciting. I appreciate all the support from everyone um, all over the place. Uh, I'm happy to uh, finally announce with a crazy, absolutely insane week last week uh, at work, uh, doing multiple, not just my job, but other people's jobs as well. Um, it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy in life, but uh, made some time for some Sea of Thieves, and we've got a lot of news uh, to talk about, um, and just a, a lot of... A lot of interesting talk in the Sea of Thieves uh, world as we continue through Season 7, um, as we finish up uh, the, the the old adventure, the crappy adventure, uh, probably one of the worst adventures, um, shouldn't have been, but turned out to be, um, is has, has come to a close and we're getting excited uh, and ramped up for hopefully a redemption, um, not a redemption arc of sorts, but a redemption arc for uh, the Rare team as far as the next uh, adventure. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We did get a patch and multiple hot fixes uh, because, well, let's be honest, uh, Rare's struggling right now uh, on the development side. They're they're just struggling, um, and I don't know what the reason for is, but uh, they're they're just struggling as as new updates come out. Um, uh, we're seeing more and more. Um, not just bugs, not just things that can be exploited, but just game breaking stuff um, that in my mind, should not be game-breaking based on what they're doing. So we'll talk about the uh, the, the most recent update uh, here in a little bit, uh, and we'll talk also um, about the hot fixes that quickly followed in the, the week after and then just, just recently um, to try to adjust some of those game-breaking things that they introduced in some of their updates. But before we get into all that Sea of Thieves goodness, as always, I would like to throw out a special thank you to the patrons who are financially contributing to my content, specifically to Pirate Talk Radio. So thank you very much, Skamelt666, Lane, and Regis Stella for your continued support of my content uh, and uh, the, the, the wonderful uh, financial uh, contributions you are making on the Patreon. It does a lot. It helps me out a lot to, to pay for not only the hosting services, uh, but maintenance on, on equipment and stuff like that. Uh, and, and so thank you very much. And again, um, you get, uh, as a patron, not only do you get all the, the, the fun merch perks, depending on, um, which, 
uh, tier you select, but you also get a private RSS feed uh, that you can add to any of your podcasting apps, uh, and you can log into even Patreon and listen to it. Uh, but you get the episode before anyone else, uh, private feed, and you don't have to worry about any sort of advertisements that maybe YouTube throws out there or that uh, that the the buzzsprout uh podcasting service uh puts in the ads as well now so you you subscribe to the patreon as low as one dollar and you get uh you get ad free stuff everyone likes ad free stuff so there you go there's another perk for you out there so thank you very much if you are interested in joining the patreon for any of those wonderful uh perks go over to patreon.com slash tv and you can uh you can pick a tier that uh fits your budget if you are so generous so let's talk about the news um i'm going to start first about uh, the the most recent uh, update uh, for the month of September, uh, we did see an Emporium update. Uh, we saw some new um, emissary rewards finally, um, so we got to see some some new stuff come to the game um, as far as cosmetics. Uh, n- no really content, um, if you will, just cosmetics as they normally do on their monthly cycle. So I'll start with the emissary rewards. Um, I think a couple of them are really cool. I think um, in general, I think all of the cosmetics you get for the emissary rewards, the ledgers um, rewards for this tier, I think are um, I think they, they will find a home. Um, I think all of them were well designed. I think the color is very nice on all of them. It is the drum and the concertina uh, or the accordion for all of the trade companies. So um, once you get through kind of the the what, what was existing, um, you are now unified. So everyone's getting a drum for this tier. Everyone's getting the concertina, the concertina, the highest tier, the drum, the next to highest tier, and then of course you can get the title as well. Um, I think they'll all find a home. I think people are going to enjoy their particular favorite trading company um, and and their particular drum or concertina. Uh, my favorite trading company is the Order of Souls. I wasn't a huge fan of, of the overall design of it, uh, just me personally. Um, but I think for or- Order of Souls fans, the colors there, the logos there, um, I, I really think people are going to enjoy these instruments. I think you're going to see them out on the Sea of Thieves. And maybe uh, for those of you who are currently growing grinding away your ledgers um, are, are super excited to to get your hands on those um, at the start of next month. So I, I think overall, I, I think um, they, they did a great design on these, um, I, and I think players are really going to enjoy them. Remember, if you're not familiar with how the ledger system works, if you go into your pirate log and reputation and open up any of the reputation, there's a section on the bottom right hand side that's the ledgers. If you haven't done anything, it just says no ledger data. You can click on that and see the rewards. You can see the rewards you're working to. Um, unlike limited time cosmetics that you get in adventures or something like that when you're you miss out you miss out these are a little different they just keep stacking on each other um so so long as you're playing the game uh so long as you're working on your ledgers uh which to do that you just have to put an emissary flag up and sell that stuff to the emissary uh, of the flag and you get 
credit towards your uh, emissary ledger. The higher grade flag you have when you turn in, the higher amount of money uh, multiplier you get for your ledger itself. And that does count for the Sovereign. Now, Reapers does still have to go to the Servant of Flame at Reapers Hideout in order to get your ledger credit. Uh, but any of the other trading companies, when you sell to the Sovereign, you do get your ledger awards based on the tier of flag um, that you get. And though I disagree with that particular design choice that's how it's designed that's what's in the game that's what we're dealing with it's 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 there now right it's there i'm going to still plan on talking about the sovereign uh once things cool down probably uh between now and the next adventure we'll probably be able to talk about uh, or between now and season eight we'll be able to talk a little bit about my personal feelings on the sovereign why i think they were designed poorly why i think uh, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing um and why they just don't make sense um, in the game. Um, now, I think the Sovereign makes sense in where they're going with the story. Uh, I just don't think the execution of how the Sovereign is designed and what they represent um, was executed uh, uh, good. And I honestly don't think on a game balance um, um, system, I don't think they uh, were executed well either. I think o the overall execution of the Sovereign was poor. Now, I do think the Sovereign is definitely something that uh, players enjoy. I think players enjoy the fact that they can cash in one place. Um, but I think there's some negative uh, um, things that the Sovereign has introduced. And again, just the overall where we are in the world, where we know um, this area is in history, it just doesn't make sense. What they're doing with the Sovereign does not make sense. Um, but again, we will get into that in, an, in another episode. But for Ledger Rewards, whatever your flag um, is, turn it into the Sovereign. You still get the multiplier with no loss. Um, what I will say is a pro tip, and I've maxed out my ledger awards just about every time. Um, one of the pro tips that I can tell you, even if you're a casual player, when you go out and do these adventures um, on, on the seas, you're going to get Order of Souls stuff, you're going to get Merchant stuff, and you're going to get Gold Hoarder stuff. Have a flag up. You know, get it to grade five or wherever you feel comfortable with uh, to go turn in. Go turn in the grade five stuff first. Get your emissary quest so you can go back out if you've got the playtime and continue to get more loot. But after you get grade five, after you've cashed in your loot for, say, the gold hoarder at grade five, after you get your emissary quest, lower the flag and raise the flag of the other emissaries before you sell the loot. Here's why. You do not get a multiplier. You will not get a multiplier for having the emissary flag up because it's only grade one. So there is no multiplier. But the base value of what you're selling does go to your ledger. And what I will tell you is there's been many months, especially especially with Merchant, Gold Hoarder, and Order of Souls, that I never did any major voyages for them and got them up to grade five. I would work on Athena with Thieves Haven runs back in the day. I'd work on whatever I'm working on. And I would then just at grade one sell my Merchant stuff, sell my Gold Hoarder stuff, sell my Order of Souls stuff. 
And I would top the ledger, just at grade one, selling whatever I have. Now, I'm not saying to based on your playtime that you're going to do that. What I'm saying is it helps. And if you get a good voyage in, a grade five, and you turn that stuff in, and you keep nickel and diming it at the grade one, you will eventually top the ledgers. And it's a way for you to continue to work on getting all of your ledgers topped, if that's something you care about, to get the cosmetics, without just sitting there and pounding out the 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 order of souls until your top ledger, then merchant until your top ledger, and then gold hoarder until your top ledger, Athena until your top. Just do one of them and then cash in the other ones. You may still have to do a voyage and get to grade two or grade three at some point near the end of the month to top it off, but it's a pro tip to help you out in order to try <coughs> to keep your ledger going up, even though you're not working on those specific uh, trading companies. So there you go. There's uh, Davram's pro tip on uh, ledgers. Now, as far as the Emporium goes, if anyone's watched my stream, they will know that I buy everything Sea of Thieves. And most 99% of it I will never equip, just because it's not my style. But it's my way of supporting Sea of Thieves. I've played games which are monthly subscriptions for pretty much... Well, until I, uh, since I was 13 years old, I am much older than that now, if you can't tell. Um, and and I don't really play games that are, are monthly charges anymore. However, um, I do still want to support the games that I love. So I have the financial ability to support Sea of Thieves. And the best way to support Sea of Thieves, because it's not a monthly subscription, is to buy stuff from the Emporium. So I always buy the ship set, the collector's edition. I always buy the weapons and, and that stuff. I don't always buy the emotes um, just because I have so many emotes. If I see something cool, uh, then I'll buy the emote if, if it's something I'm going to use. Uh, but in general, I'll buy the ship set and that stuff. And, and now with captain boats, it doesn't matter too much. But it was always nice to have all of the ship sets that I could possibly have. That way, if I'm with a new player or I'm with someone who maybe missed out on it before and they particularly like that look I could equip it for them uh, same thing with the costumes it allowed players especially new players to be able to um, equip uh, a costume that I've purchased that that maybe they didn't have the money for or or maybe it wasn't something that they felt they would use but they could still play with it and and, and check it out I haven't made my determination though if I'm going to continue that particular trend with this update um, of the Emporium, because I'm a little just baffled at some of the decisions. Now, the fox pet, or the fox that we saw in the Captain CE3 trailer, has finally made it to the Emporium. So yes, you can get a fuzzy little friend fox, and they are adorable. They glitch out a little bit on the dancing, but if you can get them unglitched and they dance... It's freaking adorable watching them dance. It's it's spastic. It, it acts exactly as I would anticipate a fox would act. Um, they're cute, and when they curl up to sleep um, on my uh, Saturday sale, my two podcasters, one boat sale, uh, I found the fox curled up sleeping under the grog tankard on the galleon. It was absolutely adorable. Um, so there you go. I have a feeling that there's a lot of foxes out there that are going to be named Todd from the um, the the Disney movie uh, um, Fox and a Hound. Um, but there you go. Multiple colors of foxes out there. I don't believe there's any sort of uniform or clothing for them yet. 
I'm sure it's coming, though. I'm sure it's coming. So the foxes I'm cool with. The other thing that I was excited about to see was actually an emote that I actually purchased, and that was the 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 axe emote. Now, if you've watched my stream, if, you, if you've met me at a convention, uh, if you've seen my business cards, which are Sea of Thieves trading cards, it's, they're, they're kind of cool. I know you all wish you had them. If you got a if 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 you if you got a sticker because you took part in our Urca Delima thing, guess what? When you get that mail in your mailbox and get your sticker, there's also going to be a cool signed Davram pirate trading card. So there you go. <laughs> now I bet oh, I bet all of you are crap. I should have submitted an answer. Like, damn it. But if you've if you've watched my streams, if you've seen my content, I'm a huge fan of Viking lore, big fan of Viking history, uh, and my my pirate's name is of course Ivar Blood, which is the uh, in-game uh, character name that I use for a lot of games because I build the character like a Viking, and um, I was really excited to see the axes. Um, now I'm not saying that again that. Vikings really took part in the golden age of piracy or, or that time. But in my view of, of the Viking culture and their raids specifically um, in England, in that area, they were pirates. They were pirates. They again, they sailed on ships. They did most of their fighting on land, but they just pillaged and stole. Like that's what they did. Um, they had a raiding season where they went and pillaged and stole. Like they were pirates. Let's be clear. They were pirates. They just did it on land and they carried everything away in a boat and their boats were really cool. So seeing axes um, really just brightens my day as far as the Viking side of my character. But it also excites me because I've talked on this show before. I've talked on other shows as well that I personally feel that Sea of Thieves is is missing a weapon. Now, we've had the weapons that we've had for quite some time, and I think it's 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 damn near time that we get another pirate weapon, not a throwable, not a not a cannon firing cannonball, but actually a weapon that our pirates carry. And the boarding axe is a perfect example of this and something that did exist in the time of the golden age of piracy, a tool that was used for more than just combat. It was used as a tool around the ship. Like the cutlass was cut ropes, chop logs, whatever you needed to do. It was a multifaceted tool, but it was also great for combat. Heck it's an axe. It's great for combat. Just look at the Vikings. They used it. Um, so the axe, the boarding axe was great for that. It allowed people to, um, when they jumped from one ship to another boarding, it allowed them to sink it into the, the wood and help themselves climb like a climbing axe. Um, it allowed them to breach um, locked doors such as the captain's quarters. It allowed them to hack through halls if they needed to do that. And it also allowed them to have the ability, of, again, of a tool that they used on the ship. Now, how I vision the boarding axe, I vision it much like the cutlass, but with some differences. Um, I think it should be thrown. I think it should be a, a melee and a short-ranged um, weapon. I don't think it should have a block feature. Um, that is a cutlass feature. I don't think it should have a charge feature like the sword dash. Uh, but I think it should give you the ability to use it and grab onto the side of a ship if you fall off. Um, I do believe it should be used to rip planks off the side of the ship. For example, if you board a ship and all of the, 
the holes that you put in with the cannons have been repaired, it should be able to rip it off. I also believe because of how a axe would do damage to people back then, um, it should be a two shot hit with a slower swing speed. So you can't just crazy melee with it. Uh, and it can be obviously blocked uh, with the cutlass. So I think there's a lot of cool mechanics that they can get in there. I want them to fix combat in general before they do that. But this gives me hope that the boarding axe is something at least in some way going to be introduced in the game in some time. Now, some of you have already said, well, Davram, it's already in the game. Technically, yes, there is a weapon uh, shop. I don't know which one off the top of my head now, but there is a weapon shop in the game that if you look up into the rafters, you can see a boarding axe already in the game uh, on display in a weapon shop. So I think it is going to come. Um, obviously, it was a critical tool back in the day. Um, and I think they could do some really cool, fun um, mechanical things that that could be really cool. Imagine now let's look at the PVE side of this. Imagine you're fighting a skelly ship and you're battling on the ship, trying to stop them from repairing holes. And one of them gets the, the repair off on the only bottom deck hole on the galleon. And you're like, crap, now I need more holes. Or you could just use your handy dandy boarding axe and rip the damn thing off. And now you've got a hole again. So I think there's a lot of cool things they could do with that. But there is an emote bundle in now that does have multiple um, axe emotes. Personally, I wish they were kind of like the dagger emotes where they continue. Some of them continue. So you can sit there and like flip an axe around and around. But they are finite. They do end. So the fox and the, um, the axe emotes are really cool. You also can get your free emote. Make sure you get your free emote before the end of the month. It is the reluctant wave emote is a very adorable shy wave. So if you, if you like to role play or something like that with your pirate and the emotes, and your pirate is um, is kind of shy. Um, I know um, Zorvia, who is a person I sail with on uh, Mondays for Sales and Tales as we're doing the Tall Tales. Um, so you can come by and ask questions about the Tall Tales and anything you want to know. I've had several uh, new players tune in for Sales and Tales and ask questions and learn more about the lore of the game um, because they haven't played through the Tall Tales or they don't know too much about the lore. So that is always a fun time to come and talk lore on Monday with Zorvia, uh, and that's Sales and Tales, and her character is very much a shy character uh, and uses that emote, and it's absolutely adorable. Now my beef. Y'all knew it was coming. Y'all knew it was coming. I have done this show for years. Maybe not consistently for years more consistently this year and the end of last year. But we've done this show for years. And there is one team that has dodged the Davram bullet. It has dodged my wrath. If hit registration was in real life, I've got hit regged on them every time. And that is the art team. Because they do colors brilliantly. They do, even though I may not like what they've drawn or whatever, it's done brilliantly. And yes, some of you are going to say, well, I bet the art team didn't decide on that. Too bad. I'm blaming them because it's their art 
that was put with the dame, and it doesn't make sense. The new ship set that has been introduced to the Emporium is the Mandrake ship set. Now, Mandrake is a real-life plant. A real-life plant. It's a real thing. Now, if you've watched Harry Potter, there's the Mandrake root in Harry Potter. The Mandrake is a real-life plant. There's multiple varieties of it, just like there is other plants. But they are in the same family. They have similarities in their root structure and in their flower types and leaves because that's how plants are familiarized. That's even a word. And this ship set is called the Mandrake ship set. You know what the problem with the Mandrake ship set? There's no Mandrakes on it. There's none. There's zero Mandrakes. The flowers on the capstan, the flowers on the cannons, the flowers on the on the wheel. Okay, I kind of get it. I can I I can work with those. You know what the big problem is? The sails. Okay? The sails and the, the figurehead, the two main features that everyone sees when you sail the damn thing by are Venus flytraps. Venus flytraps are not mandrakes. I googled it today because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to make an idiot of myself because I do that all the time. But the, the, the Venus flytrap is not a mandrake. It is not part of that family. It is not a mandrake in any way, shape, or form. It was like, oh, you mean the Mandrake thing from Harry Potter that everyone's going to associate it with? Well, that little screaming thing that they pull out of the pot, well, it's kind of ugly. The roots are kind of ugly, so let's not use that as a figurehead. Let's not put roots like that in the screaming, childlike, demonic face on the freaking sails. Let's not do that. Let's not put an actual Mandrake flower on the sails, like on the, you know, I could kind of see it on the, the, the helm, the capstan, and the stand. No, let's put a thing that's not even has anything to do with Mandrakes on the freaking sails and the freaking figurehead. It actually, it snaps. It's a Venus flytrap. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, what do they do? Design a flower boat with a Venus flytrap and say, oh, here's this great looking boat marketing team. Please market this. Okay, well, what do, we'll call it the Mandrake, even though there's nothing to do with Mandrakes on the whole freaking thing, except maybe the flowers. The main visual features are not Mandrake. They're not. Call it the Venus ship set. Call it the flytrap. Don't call it the mandrake. It's asinine. It makes zero sense. The colors are brilliant. Can't disagree there. And hey, they designed a cannon that looks really cool, and it doesn't suck as far as aiming. Good job on that design team and art team. But could you have like actually stuck with the theme of your name in mandrake, please? Throughout the entire thing, especially the main visual features, please. Not to mention, not to mention, this show in no way, shape, or form has ever been PG or PG-13. So if what I'm about to say is offensive to you and you're like, oh, he can't say that. 
shut up. It's my show, and I'm always crude. I'm always lewd. I'm just never nude because the internet doesn't want to see that. Can we talk about what the sales look like, and can we talk about that right now because they're vaginas? Okay? All right? I was sailing with someone. I was sailing with Zorvia on Monday, and I said, you know what I have a problem with? With this Mandrake set, not only does it have nothing to do with Mandrakes, but there's a, there's a freaking vagina on them. The main art is a vagina. It's a Venus flytrap when it's closed. It's the JJ when it's closed. And then the collectors, it's all spread open. It's damn JJ spread eagle, and you're staring down the hole. I don't understand what the hell they were thinking with this set. Not only taking the name and not doing anything with it, but putting a bloody vagina on the sales. Don't get me wrong. Vaginas are cool. All right. I am an equal opportunity lover of bodies. All right. But it's a damn vagina and a spread eagle vagina. You're all logging in right now. I I know. You're all hitting the pause button on this if you're not completely offended that I said vagina on my talk radio show. You're all pausing the video right now, logging into the game, clicking the Emporium button, and now you're looking at it, and now you can't unsee it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Can't believe they put vaginas in there. They put vaginas in there after they remove uh, uh, Slick Dickin or Slip Dickin or the Pirate Captain Dickin that was in there, Slick Dickin or something like that. They added vaginas in there. They took out the dick and they put a vagina in. What the hell? The next one's going to be Gold Hoarder. It's going to it's gonna be... It, oh, here's what they'll call it. Here's what they'll call it. They'll call it the Silver Hoarder. And the whole thing will be gold. And it won't make any sense just like this one. And instead of a key, they'll call it a key, but it'll look like an erect penis. Okay? Or no, it'll look like a a limp penis. And then the collector's edition, it'll be like all glowy, like Jesus uh, uh, rays of light coming off of it. And it'll be a fully erect penis. And they'll be like, no, no, it's a key. It's a special key. Like gold member. My winky is the key. I'm just saying, if we got if we got Vijay now in the game, I want I want Dickin back. I, I want a ship set that looks like a penis, okay? The curtain gold order one does not like a penis. We've got Vijay in there. I want the penis. That yep. I want the penis. Take uh, take take that one out of context. Clip it. Post on social media. It's fine. I'm okay with it. The Vijay is now in Sea of Thieves. Um, you can now sail around on the the slippery slit. Um, and I hope soon they add uh, penis sails, uh, so I can legitimately now sail around on the the smooth rod and really make the bad joke that I always already do. That I'm going to slam big black balls into your wood. <clears throat> the Sirens Prize Adventure. The next adventure. Uh keeping in mind that this is the start of the next trilogy. So as 
if they're continuing that, um, we just got the epic finale of our second trilogy, um, and now we're about to start the next trilogy, um, which I assume is going to be going back to Flameheart Jr. and Flameheart Sr., and we learn a little bit about this in the in the um, the little monthly update. By the way, I I know that they're talking on the monthly update that they miss John. Don't bring John back. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry. Go away, John. We're good. We're 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 good now. We're, those monthly updates are are far superior now. Please, John, just go back to whatever job that you're doing unfortunately have not done well in the past, but keep doing, keep trying. I believe in you um, and your tight t-shirts, um, but leave the monthly updates to this man. Cause God damn the voice of sea of thieves sounds good on those monthly updates. So the sirens prize. Now, if we dive into this a little bit and think about it and think about what we know um, based on the history uh, of, of, of a pirate's life, um, my only thought process, since we know that the Flameheart storyline has to come to a close at the end of the year, that is what they told us it would be, and they haven't told us it's going to change. The only thing I can think of coming back from the Dark Brethren, um, you know, will get you next time, Gadget Poof. Coming back from them, back to the Flameheart, Flameheart Jr. storyline, the only thing that I can think of that's the Siren's prize is the Silver Blade, which we learned is in the Sunken Kingdom. And in our little teaser, um, when we were talking about this update, it was said that we will be going back underwater. We will be returning to the Sunken Kingdom. So in my mind, it just plays out. The Siren's Prize is the Silver Blade, and we're going to be going back into the Sunken Kingdom. Maybe we're going to see Flameheart Jr. and Flameheart trying to rise the Silver Blade from the Sunken Kingdom uh, now that the Siren Queen has been vanquished, um, you know, having it as a, as a, as a true, you know, flagship for, for Flameheart that's not a ghost ship. I don't know, but I feel like we're going to be returning to the Silver Blade storyline, maybe learning a little bit more about it, um, and I think it's going to start pulling us back into uh, the Senior Junior storyline, and keeping in mind that this is this, this Flameheart storyline is to end by the end of the year. Um, and What's really interesting is the timing that they reintroduced the Dark Brethren after doing the 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 failed War of Golden Sands. It is just bad. Um, I feel like the final culmination of the Flameheart storyline is going to involve all three factions. It's going to involve Ramsey the Pirate Lord, Flameheart, Flameheart Jr., the Servant of Flame, and the Dark Brethren Court. I feel like all three of them are going to be involved in the final epic finale of the year to wrap up the Flameheart storyline, which, if you didn't know, started in Tall Tale 1, The Shroudbreaker. If you didn't know that, well, guess what? I didn't either until I just recently redid The Shroudbreaker uh, to, to, to read up on some stuff. But yes, indeed... The Magpie's Wing, uh, uh, Ramsey's ship in the Sea of Thieves, 
was chased down and sunk by the Burning Blade, which is Flameheart Ship. And we see the Burning Blade pop up and go away throughout the, and we hear the name Flameheart throughout the Tall Tales until, of course, we get to the Seabound Soul and we get to Heart of Fire where we learn more about Flameheart that has led us to the point that we are today in his big head in the sky shit talking that's now disappeared. So I think all three factions are going to come together um, at the end in one big epic finale. Will Ramsey work with the Dark Brethren? Who knows? Will we have a choice of which side we're going to be on, Dark Brethren, Ramsey? I don't know. But the Flameheart storyline is coming to an end at the end of the year. We have four months left. If I did the math right, September, October, November, December. We have four months left um, to see how this epic finale goes. Um, and we're starting this off with Siren's Prize, the next adventure uh, coming on September 15th. So about 10 days uh, from the time of this recording, we'll get to see what comes next. Now, here is the interesting tidbit. Now, what I want to dive into next is the official CFDs podcast, because this ties directly into some of the things that were talked about on the podcast, namely the next choice. And there's a lot of interesting things. If you haven't watched the Gamescom um, Sea of Thieves official podcast, there's a lot of interesting nuggets that were dropped. Uh, there was a lot of PR bullshit as well. And again, making me think that Rare has blinders on, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's just take the Flameheart storyline closing at the end of the year and Siren's Prize, because the next choice that we're going to make Sounds like it's going to revolve around Golden Sands again. Um, they finally admitted. Now, they didn't use the word lame because they always talk highly of their video game, as they should. They're the developers and the creators of it. But the word status quo was used. And in my mind, status quo is lame. Um, we made a choice. Um, I mean, if you like Merrick, you made the wrong choice in saving Golden Sands, but that was your choice to make. And it was a very interesting um, two weeks to follow. Again, the design choice and the execution of the adventure, in my mind, was still pretty bad, being that it was a war and it didn't feel like a war. Um, but we saved Golden Sands. And in all honesty, aside from a couple Reaper masks and a couple cannons on the shoreline, Golden Sands is the same as it was. The merchants have returned, all the buildings, and it really doesn't look like it went through a war. There's a couple craters here and there, but in general, it just feels, as they stated, the status quo, which is pretty lame, especially since we were expecting something to change. Now, if we trust what Rare says, and yeah, I'm iffy on that sometimes now based on what they've said and done, but... They said they didn't know the outcome, so they had to plan for both, but you're not going to waste and use development time to program both. You're going to wait until the decision is hashed out, and then you're going to slowly introduce those changes. And I feel like this was an opportunity for them to take the next step in the game. And Mike Chapman said in season eight, so we're, you know, months out from season eight, but in season eight, 
we are going to experience a new environment. It's something the community, these are his words, something the community has been waiting for for a while. It gives you a new type of a way to play the game. Um, there's new rewards that will be introduced for it. And it will give players who enjoy role play the ability to do this more openly and and in a lot more interesting place. Now, why does this have anything to do with Flame Heart? Why does this have anything to do with saving Golden Sands versus ruining Golden Sands? Because the next decision point is going to revolve around Golden Sands in a way that what is going to happen to Golden Sands is the focal point of season eight, not necessarily the choice per se, but what our choice to save golden sands meant. And the words Mike used were very specific. And did you realize that you've been sailing sea of thieves and utilizing outposts? Yeah, I did. But then the next thing is we deliberately and very specifically use the terms outposts which are meant to be small points that you can break awake from in in the past in 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 history outposts might be like war camps that that people use to launch attacks from they might be um um when people are working on settling a new area they may be used as launching grounds for that um whatever the case may be an outpost is meant to be something um, that's a small start to an area, um, it's utility, and it's it's not like a city, right? Now, if we're talking about Season 8 and a new environment that we've never seen before, sure, we could talk about the Ice Zone. All right, Falcor. What I think is going to happen in Season 8 is I think this new area that they're talking about this new area of role play, this new area that gives you a new type of way to play the game. I know some people are probably thinking PVE servers or PVP, whatever. You can think that all you want. I think Golden Sands is going to change from an outpost to begin to build and maybe even in Season 8 become the first pirate city in the Sea of Thieves. Golden Sands makes a lot of sense. It's a beloved outpost. Obviously, it was saved. Um, it has a really interesting shape. Uh, it's got all the little islands. You could build a cool-looking city on Golden Sands. And I think that that's what's going to happen. It would give, basically, a new thing for us to do. Enter a city, hang out with the NPCs. Basically portal of the dam type thing where you go into the city, such as something like you do in a pirate's life. And it's full of life. There's vendors around, there's people, there's children, you know, and things like that. And I think that might be the direction they're going with this. I know for a long time, people have wanted something that feels more alive, but an outpost isn't something that necessarily is going to feel alive. We need some sort of city. And as Mike mentioned, we haven't hit the golden age of piracy in Sea of Thieves. The golden age of piracy began with Nassau and the Pirate Republic. 
which was a pirate city in the Bahamas. Um, and that's the golden age of piracy. That was the main focus of it. So I really think season eight, we're going to either start seeing the creation of that or it's going to be there. And obviously, Flameheart is not going to be happy with a uh, a Golden Sands that not only did he fail to destroy the first time, but now it has been rebuilt. It has been rebuilt stronger more fortified, and it's a whole damn city that's full of pirates. <coughs> it's full of people. And he's not going to like that because that's more people and more of a cry for the pirates to unite against him, which is not what he's going to want. So that's where I think they're going with this uh, for season eight. But the decision point um, appears to be pointing towards, yet again, another choice around Golden Sands. Which, if done right, I think is fine. But again, if you're going to do another war, make sure that this is actually feels like a war. Because last time it didn't. It felt like merchant voyages. And that's not a war. <clears throat> Some other things that I expect. <clears throat> I think we're going to see the start, if not the full implementation of a combat revamp, which would be cool. Um, I think, obviously, some env environmental rework uh, could, could happen. And a new region. Now, I don't think it's necessarily like the ice zone. I think it's going to be more like you go to Golden Sands and you can go into like a gate, which is basically like a Sea of the Dam portal or the Pirate Legend hideout, and you enter a city zone. Um, I think that's more likely. Um, but interesting enough, Phil Spencer actually had a conversation with Mike Chapman um, and was very interested in season eight. Uh, and ask Mike now, Mike didn't go into a lot of details. He didn't answer a lot of this stuff. Um, but he said that, that Phil is very interested, um, in season eight and the direction that it's going to take the game and, and asked Mike a lot of questions about how he feels these changes will impact the player experience. Um, so it's really interesting that, that Mike threw that tidbit in that he talked to Phil, who, if you don't know who Phil Spencer is, he's the head honcho of Xbox. So it's obviously really important. And Mike actually said, I had a meeting to sell him on season eight. So obviously rare is a Microsoft studio and you know, big updates that they're running, you know, the Microsoft kind of does have a say in if that's going to be good or not because they want things to be profitable. And I think Rare has um, a lot of liberty in that as they've proven time and time again that they can keep a player base, um, at least a hardcore player, player base, um, and they can be a main feature of the Xbox uh, and, and the Game Pass system. So I, I think they have a lot of liberties there, but it sounds to me like Season 8 is going to be big. And I'm not talking Disney Pirate's Life big. I'm talking... Equally big, but Sea of Thieves only. Not Disney, not someone else. Though I would love to see Game of Thrones in there, um, you know, because I, I would love like Valar Margulis and stuff like that. But it's, it's not going to happen. But, um, <laughs> But uh, and new 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 monsters. If you haven't seen the new House of Dragons, well, you're missing out. But the 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 Crab King, um, if that was a that that should be a, a bad guy in Sea of Thieves, like legitimately should be a bad guy in Sea of Thieves. Literally a boss who summons crabs that eat you. That is sick and awesome. So 
I, I think it was very interesting. Um, Mike, obviously, I, I don't hear them talk a lot about their conversations with Xbox. So I think the fact that, that Mike mentioned that he had conversations with Phil Spencer to sell season eight to him um, and that it wasn't it wasn't a negative talk. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, he, he was very open and honest about Phil's questions about how he felt like the player experience is going to be. So I feel like this is going to be a very big change and maybe for some players it might be a very jarring change. Maybe in these towns, there's no weaponry. So there's no PVP, um, which would again, invite the role-playing and things like that in, into it. Um, it would also um, create a non TDM zone, which they learned from in the last adventure um, that they probably shouldn't do again. So disabling weapon in combat, I think would be cool in the city. Um, it would make sense um, and things like that. So um, I'm excited to see season eight uh, season seven to me is a massive disappointment, potentially one of the worst seasons they've done. Um, so I'm excited to see season eight, especially with the massive changes that they're having. What I'm hoping they do is proper quality control and proper testing and listening to their insiders and making sure when they release this, it is solid and is clean because even though season seven, its launch was relatively clean and the subsequent patches have been God awful. It was a, it's a crappy update. Captain C is by far the, one of the most disappointing updates they've ever put out. It's just, it's just horrible. And it's something that we all wanted. It's something we all wanted, but it is so disappointing. Um, I may get into that a little bit, but I've bitched a lot about captaincy um, um, over the past couple weeks, and I don't want to turn into a just captaincy rant fest every single episode. Um, so a few other things that was brought up um, during that particular uh, podcast, a few things that really rubbed me the, the wrong way. Um, and, and they talked about, uh, their, even though they didn't say failure, they, they talked about adventure, the hunters cry, and you know, my opinion on it. I played through it and you know, my opinion on it, but things that Joe neat said really rubbed me the wrong way. And, and I know Joe's never been on this podcast. He, he hasn't done any of the podcast. This would be something that I would love to ask him about. Um, because of this, so so let's set the stage. If you haven't watched this, they were talking about uh, the the launch of of Hunter's Cry, and they talked about the uh, the the feedback of the community, the outrage of the community, and that they had to change it. The problem was they didn't admit fault. Their statements were: we clearly stated when you accepted the adventure that it was co-op. We didn't have any issues in our player testing. So you're blaming the players for your failure to see what human beings can do when given no restrictions. You are a company full of people who are trying to create something that wows your audience. Of course, you're not going to be trolls. Now, if I was part of rare staff, I would be that asshole. 
I would be the guy that during player testing would come in with my ship and absolutely wreck the shit out of them. And Joe would be pissed off and Joe would be pissed off and Mike would be pissed off and Chris would be pissed off. And they would all be like, what the hell are you doing, Davram? And I'd be like, this is what your players are going to do to your adventure. Don't do it. But no one's an asshole there. Like I met a lot of them. They're all they're all very nice human beings and they think the best in people. In fact, they said they assumed best intentions. Now I tweeted about that soon after Hunter's Cry came out and I said developers should never assume best intentions of their players. They should put content out there and they should think Huh, what is the worst thing that could happen when players interact with this content? They should come up with the worst possible outcome and then plan for it because it's going to happen and most likely worse is going to happen. So the fact that you put a little text in there that said multiple pirate crews are going to be working together to do this adventure, I'm sorry, Mike, but first off, many people who are... Those toxic idiots are the people who are, you're saying, destroying the game for others. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. A lot of them are not probably reading what it says. And when they see co-op, they're probably laughing at you. And they're probably like, I don't care if it says co-op. It's going to let me shoot someone. I'm going to shoot someone. But what really bothers me is what Joe Neat said. This really, really bothers me. He said, If players submitted reports with evidence of toxic play or going against the adventure's intent, we will and have taken actions against them. Toxic players, I agree. If they're being toxic, if they are breaking the rules, that's fine. But going against the adventure's intent... That's a you problem. That is a rare problem. That is a Sea of Thieves problem. That is not a player problem. You put players in a situation that was enclosed that people couldn't run with limited time cosmetics and did not disable PvP. You literally put the lighter in the the, the gases of, of gasoline. You are the one that created that combustible situation that led to poor player experiences. Do not blame your player base for PVPing when you literally opened the doors to them. Do not punish your players for failure to identify your player base and what they are going to do. Yes, the majority of Sea of Thieves players are not toxic. Yes, the majority of Sea of Thieves players will read what the Pirate Lord says. Yes, the majority of Sea of Thieves players will play nice. But that is not all of them. And clearly, it was a large chunk of people that were in there doing that. And so, what is the adventure's intent? You can type whatever the hell you want. Ramsey could literally stand on your ship and yell at you the entire time. Now, we are doing this cooperatively. Work together with your friends and no one is going to listen because you as the developer have the power to turn off PvP and you chose not to. You chose to put the rabid wolves in with the cute little bunnies and said, 
huh, I bet they're going to be friends because we told them to do so. No, they're going to rip the shit out of each other. And that's exactly what happened. I agree toxic players should be punished. But players that are PvPing in that adventure, they should not be punished because that is a failure on the developer side. It is a failure on design. It is a failure on testing. It is a failure to understand your complete player base. You cannot develop for everyone, but you have to develop in order to put shields and regulations on players who are going to ruin this. If you learned nothing from the Shrouded Deep that putting players together in a small place for a limited time thing is a bad idea, then you've learned nothing. You keep saying you're learning. You keep saying adventures are new. We're learning. You're on to almost adventures, what, seven now? You've had enough learning. No RNG. No PvP or limited PvP unless it's in a war situation, then PvP with alternatives for other players to do stuff. No multiple crew shit. You've learned this time and time again, but you're still making the same mistake and you're blaming the players for going against your intent. Your intent means shit to us. Your intent legitimately means dick to players, okay? It doesn't mean anything. You can type whatever you want. This is a peaceful zone. Please work together. Ho, ho, ho. I'm Santa Pirate Lord. Please hug and be friends and save my buddy Merrick from the evil Dark Brethren. Players aren't going to give a damn. If they have the opportunity to shoot another pirate, they're going to shoot another pirate. It's going to happen. And player experiences are going to be ruined. You know how you stop that? You flip the switch and make sure players can't do that. Stop assuming good intent. Because the selection of players that don't care about what anything is typed into the game, they're going to shoot the shit out of each other. You took, you took the TDM gallery out of the game because only a small percentage of players played it. You took their outlet for PvP out, and you're now forcing those players into the general population and expecting them to play nice. They're not going to. They only care about TDM. They only care about the small junk that's hanging between their legs that they can try and slap someone in the face with on the game because they sure can't in real life because there's no length and no girth. Okay? That's just that's that's just them. Go play League of Legends or CSGO or or Paladin or any or Overwatch. You're going to run into a lot of those small dicked humans who the only time that they can, you know, slam their Johnson on someone's face is in a video game. They can in real life because, well, they need a freaking Hubble telescope to even find the thing. Okay, that's how small it is. Okay, small minds, small dicks. It's just how it is. Do not assume good intent. Think of the worst case scenario and then know it's going to be worse and adjust accordingly. <clears throat> so let me tell you why season seven is by far going, going, going to go down in history as one of their worst seasons, most anticipated, but most disappointing seasons. Let's run this down real quick. <clears throat> 
With the most recent patch that give, gave us the Emporium update and cute foxes, it also gave us a horrible Veil Voyage exploit, which allowed players to cancel Veil Voyages over and over and over again to have a massive pile of loot. Rare did say this is a bannable offense, but guess what? It's their negligence in QAing and their negligence in coding and, and, and building this that caused it. So no, I don't believe those players should be punished for exploiting the shit code that you guys put out there and said, hey, look, it's great. It's awesome. No, you guys fucked up. Don't punish the player for your fuck up. Also, while fixing in a hot fix soon after the um, uh, soon after the Emporium patch <clears throat> in that hot fix where they fixed their horrible code that caused the Veil Voyage exploit, they broke swords completely. Now, I'm saying when I say break swords completely, I'm not saying that's in M M1 spam, M1 spam, M1 spam with a couple blocks and a sword dodge. I'm literally saying they broke the sword to the point where you couldn't block with it. Legitimately made the sword absolutely useless aside from a noodle arm. How fixing the veil voyage and 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 somehow affected swords, I have no idea. In that Italian restaurant of spaghetti bowl that we call Sea of Thieves codes, somehow they pulled a meatball out, which was the problem with the Veil Voyage, and somehow got a crouton in there, which was sword breaking. I, I have no idea how that was. So they had to hot fix that out. So le legitimately, in the first week of the new Emporium update, they had two major hot fixes to fix shit that they broke. If that doesn't tell you how bad the QA is and how bad the coding is right now at Rare, I don't know what to tell you. It's just bad. Other issues which have not been addressed. Harpoons are still broken. If you're carrying a piece of loot, instead of being instead of when a harpoon hits the loot and pulling it to shore out of your hands, it drops at your feet, sometimes grabbing the player behind it and leaving the loot behind. That has been the case since season seven started. Multiple hot fixes and one patch, it's still broken. What the hell? Captain ships are resetting. There is a bug out there where people are reporting that their captain ship that they've paid for gets completely reset and it disappears off the face of the planet. I'm sure they could open a support ticket in a matter of, you know, a couple weeks to support people once they get through the entire long list of Hunter's Cry. Might be sometime next year, honestly, because of how bad that adventure was. <clears throat> once they get through that queue, then they might be able to get your ship back. But until then, you're screwed and all your progress is gone. And probably by the time they actually find your ticket and look at it, they'll be like, oh, that happened too long ago. We're sorry. Here's a free voyage because we know how much you love free voyages. The captain ship's log, uh, the login is bugged. So there are times where you log in with your captain ship and when you get in, it's not your captain ship and you have to log out and log back in and oh, there's your captain ship again. Literally. The cornerstone of your damn update is broken, not to mention all this other stuff, which wasn't broken in the past, but now is somehow broken and continues to be broken, even though they're major features in the game. This is why season seven is garbage. Then you get this atrocious, awful, horrible, bullshit PR spin. Mike, I love you to death, man. You are so cool, but please stop saying captaincy offers new ways to play. Please stop saying that. It does not offer players new ways to play. 
It just adds another level of shit for them to do that they've already done. I think having the milestone system on ships being fresh is absolutely fine. As you mentioned on the official Sea of Thieves podcast, players have just been using a ship. Now they own their own. That makes sense. Allow the milestones to stay on the player. But do not tell me that the milestone system is supposed to be the story and to tell a story about your pirate because it doesn't tell you the story about my your, my pirate. My pirate is three years old. The only story that Captaincy tells me about my pirate is what has happened since season seven started. That does not tell the story of my pirate. My pirate started three years ago. That would tell the story of my pirate. Stop saying captaincy gives players a new way to play. It does not. You're playing the game the exact same way you did when seasons started, before seasons existed. You're doing the exact same thing, and all that it's doing now is keeping track of things that it didn't keep track of before and retracking things that it has kept track before, but, you know, they never happened because it was before season seven, and you guys are idiots and can't think to say, oh, oh. You mean there's pirates older than season seven out there, and and you they, they've they've collected three hundred chests, they've sailed thousands of miles on Athena voyages, they've done how many gold hoarder voyages, they've delivered how many animals, they've sold how many fish? Oh no no, none of that matters because it's season seven and on. That is just garbage. Okay. Like I said, Mike, I completely respect you. I love the fact that that you build an amazing world, an amazing story, but stop saying captaincy offers new ways to play. It does not. 100% does not, and is a slap in the face of players who've been playing for three and four years and have done all this shit and now get no credit. It's not the story of our pirates. It's the story of our pirates from season seven and on. It ignores everything our pirates did before this. Ignores it all. And that is the fact. They continue to talk about how positive season seven is. But they're missing the key issues that players care about. And that is they care about what they have done. They care about the time they've invested to do commendations. They care about that, and they should get credit for that. (laughs) Don't tell me it's not tracked. Stop telling me it's not tracked. I know it's tracked. It's in Xbox achievements. It's in Steam achievements. It's in your commendation system. I don't care if I've killed 500 skeletons. I don't care if I've killed a thousand skeleton ships and your commendation only tracks 300 or 500. Give me credit for what I've done because that is there. If it stops tracking, if you don't have data past whatever that grade five max commendation is fine. That's okay. I'm okay with that. It wasn't built into the game. But there was a tracking system there, and you completely ignored it, and you completely slapped players in the face with that. Stop telling me it's a new way to play. Stop telling me how positive Season 7 is. Because I can tell you right now, hmm, the community at large, if you gave them a choice, if you sat them down and gave them a poll and says, and your your, your options are, I am happy with Season 7 as is, Yes or no, 
And the follow-up question is, I would be more happy if Season 7 gave me credit for everything my pirate did up to Season 7. I promise you, players would be more happy with Season 7 if you gave them the true story of their pirate instead of a chopped-off version of their pirate. You're not telling the complete story. You've literally, if I if I went and got my copy of Heart of Fire, which I haven't read yet, it's sitting out there, okay? If I got that, and what I did was I turned to the last five pages of the book, and I ripped everything out. I ripped the first whole section of the book out, and I kept the last five pages. That's what you've done to our pirates. And you're telling us that these five pages, that's the story of our pirate? Bullshit. I ripped that part out and threw it away. That's what you did to our pirates. You ripped our book apart, threw it away, and said, "Up oh, these few pages here, that's your story, and the more pages you're going to add. But everything back here, the big chunk of the book that our pirates have already written is thrown out. So stop with the bullshit PR. Stop trying to trying to make yourselves feel like you did the right thing and just own up and say, okay, we did the wrong thing. You know, it isn't the complete story of our pirates. Either you're going to retrofit it, which you're not going to. We already know that. Or you're not going to retrofit it. But at least come out and tell us, you know what? We probably should have done this differently. It's in the past now. We can't change it. Just own up to your screw-ups and stop giving this stupid bullshit. I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm tired of it. Our intent was good in Hunter's Call. Bullshit. It might have been good, but you didn't think about the players and the experience you were creating. Bullshit. Season 7 is really positive. Bullshit. You just ignored the past four years of your players. Bullshit. Captaincy tells you the unique story of your pirate. Bullshit. The unique story of my pirate started a long time ago. Stop with the happy unicorn and rainbow PR junk. You screwed up and you don't want to admit to it because Captain sees something people have wanted for a long time and you gave them a pile of disappointment. In the words of the famous comedian and Cleveland Browns fan, you are a factory of sadness. That's what season seven is. The factory of sadness. I'm almost level 100, though. I'm almost level 100. But, but, I don't get my flame twirler emote. I have to go buy that now. For those players out there who thought they had the cool flame twirly emote, which is really cool, by the way, um, that's been removed from... uh, from the costume and has now been added to the Emporium for like a buck 50 or something. So you took something, probably the coolest thing you had in this season's plunder pass, the paid for plunder pass, probably the coolest thing you had in the plunder pass. And you put it in the Emporium. No, that's dumb. You can put it in the Emporium, but you should have just added it as another reward for the purchase plunder pass. Because as I've said time and time again, your purchase plunder pass is not worth 10 bucks. It's not worth it. Your your plunder pass has not been worth 10 bucks since you brought it out. And yes, 
You're probably going to say, oh, the statistics say otherwise. People are buying People are buying it every season. We're getting a lot of money out of it. Yeah, they are because they got FOMO. That's why I buy it, although my requirement is I have to hit 100 before I buy it. Yeah, sure, I buy it because I love Rare. I love Sea of Thieves. I want to support it. And even though I rant here, I still love the game, and I want to give. I want to make sure I can do what I can to make sure they can hire new people, they can get the right people in the right positions to fix the bugs and make sure things are clean when it comes out. Yes, I want to support the game. But if you ask me to to look at the the paid for plunder pass and say, am I getting ten dollars worth of content for my ten bucks? <laughs> there, there, there's no way there's a, a soul alive that would say that that's ten bucks worth of content. And sure, you can divide it up of you get a whole ship set and divide it up by the cost of your ship set, whatever. Compare it to Destiny. Compare it to Fortnite. Compared to Apex, compared to all the other games that do pl- that that do battle passes, I'll tell you right now, Sea of Thieves has probably one of the worst battle passes out there. It's ten bucks. It's just about the same as the other battle passes, but you don't get nearly as much. You get more stuff in the free battle pass than you do in the in the not free battle pass, which is cool. Which is cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think the paid-for battle pass should get more than the free battle pass. Incentivize people to give you money. Just saying. Just saying. It was a long episode. I think I got through all my notes. It was like three pages of notes. Um, Some of them were linked, as you saw. But, guys, thank you very much for hanging out. Again, I really appreciate it. I know sometimes my rants go, go, go crazy. But I think I'm on, on, on topic on a lot of these things. I think I have a pulse um, of the community on a lot of these things. And, and some of you, I'm sure, disagree with what I have to say. Um, and that's fine. That's that's talk radio in, in general, right? That's that's talk radio. Um, but I appreciate everyone listening. Please share this podcast. Please get your friends um, who, who you think would enjoy this uh, uh, listening to it. Subscribe on the YouTube if you haven't done so already, even if you don't uh, necessarily watch YouTube. All those numbers are very important. Again, thank you very much, everyone who watches. I appreciate it very much. Remember, you can catch my streams, twitch.tv slash Davern. We play Sea of Thieves. We play New World, probably playing some Destiny here soon. So lots of cool things to do over there. You can interact with me live. You can always drop me a comment. Join the Discord. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit up the email box, whatever the case may be. But, guys, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio. Of course, and, you know, next episode, the real story of Pirate Talk Radio will begin. And the past two and a half seasons, you know, they don't, they don't matter. Next episode is when it begins, truly begins. <laughs>